0: You are listening to a sermon by Pastor Christopher Salley of New Life Christian Fellowship Church. What it takes to lead God's flock. We started this conversation the last time I was here in the pulpit. And uh, in a good way, we could not get off of the very first requirement that's there. And I told you. Um, you can't have a discussion about shepherding, I believe, without getting to First Timothy chapter 3. And in First Timothy chapter 3, we're talking about the man of God, the overseer, must be above reproach. A man must be blameless, I told you. And I told you, blameless is not a, a place that you can arrive at. Uh, randomly, it's going to be on purpose. Amen. A man of God that is trying to be blameless is going to be purposeful. And I shared with you and reminded you about what the man of God looks like in Psalms chapter one. And we talked about the the uh, discipline that that he uh, uh, the discipline that he harbors, and uh, we talked about the determination he holds and the delight that uh, he. Um, heeds, I mean, the delight that he uh, harbors and the, and the disciplines, uh, determination he heeds. And it all talks about the destination that he has and everything that he does shall prosper. Amen. And so to be blameless is to be purposeful. And as I reminded you last time, I'm, I'm not talking about blameless doesn't mean that, that you're sinless. You're not you're not sinless, but striving. You're not perfect, but pressing, not faultless, but faithful. Amen. directionally keeping short accounts with God being knowing that the best place that you can be as an under shepherd is next to the chief shepherd clothed in his righteousness and covered in his blood amen a man of God that is blameless meaning that there's no that there is no uh it's impossible to to uh, bring up any charge or accusation against him that could stand impartial examination that includes the The accuser of the brethren, which is Satan. So, again, not to be sinless, but to keep short accounts with God means that even Satan can't say, you know, do you know, do you know what Pastor Sally did? He said, yeah, I know because he just confessed it to me even though I knew it anyway, we, we've already done business around that. So you can't blackmail him with that. He's keeping short accounts with me. And he also understands, according to James chapter five, confess your faults one to another and pray for one another that you might be healed. So he understands a man that's blameless, a woman that's blameless, understands that you have to have the right position here with God, and you have to have the right position here. This is a position of accountability, and this is a position of following closely to the The shepherd and so being blameless is about the position but then I told you there's really 15 things that are in this particular passage and numbers 2 through 12 I will tell you and we'll go through them For the most part, very quickly is around the personal qualifications that that lead to that position. Again, you have a position before God, a position with others. Again, a position of accountability and a a position before God that you want to be and should be blameless. Amen. Clothed in righteousness, covered in blood. And I told you that uh, blamelessness is purposeful. And I told you and gave you an example. Of how, uh, you know, blameless is about having on your spiritual deodorant. Amen. We talked about that, didn't we? We talked about you when a young man starts to get of age, you can't start missing your deodorant because you will then not be blameless. Amen. And then you will be ostracized and people will remember you for nothing more than the fact that you were stinky on a particular day and it will stay with you forever. When the reunion comes around, it's like, I remember you. You were the one that stunk. I'll give you an even better example. Dear God, the pastor, Detroit, me, Sister Kelly, Sister Kim, Brother Tim, we were in a place where we were being ministered to by this pastor. He was praying over us. We had our heads bowed. Brother Kevin Claxton was there, too. And as he came past, it was not the spirit of the Lord that we smelled. Kevin looked at me. We were praying. Kevin looked at me, said, do you smell that? Is that? I was like, maybe. And then when he moved away, I said, like, yeah, that was him. his legacy, beloved, to this day. That happened 15 years ago, maybe? Every time we say his name, we are think of him. I don't know what happened to that brother. It's just one day, but he missed his deodorant that day, and his body odor was kicking like Jackie Chan. He was in the midst of ministering. They had a church. Sister Kim mentioned to me that she said maybe that's why his church closed down because he was skipping his deodorant on more than one day. Dear God, you can't minister and be funky at the same time. That's an even better example. Again, blameless. You don't want to do anything that somebody can hold accusation to over time, and you have to be pers- per- uh, purposeful because greater the greater the what? Visibility, the greater the vulnerability. Amen? So that, that that's the man of God. And um, now the overseer must be above reproach. The husband of one wife. Again, this really prohibits polygamy and promiscuity. Again, the husband of one wife. It's, it's really, at the very least, talking about being a one-woman man, a man being loyal, being faithful. S- some believe that there are greater restrictions around that, but at the very least, we're talking about a one-woman man Amen. Uh, some believe that you have to be married to be a, a a leader of the church, but the apostle Paul himself was not married, and the apostle Paul in a couple of passages, gives instructions to wit- widows about being remarried. So it's, it's the fact that you can't be remarried, uh, and and but some really restrict it. So whether you're widowed or you're single, you can't you can't serve in that role. I, I, I'm not willing to, to to take it to that level, given what I see. But the more important point is you're not supposed to be uh, a promiscuous you're not supposed to be polygamous you're you to be a one woman man loyal and faithful temperate temperate which means to be sober-minded to be what watchful to be circumspect we know in first peter five and eight it says what be sober be vigilant for your adversary the devil as a roaring lion roameth about seeking whom he what may devour, amen. And so again, that the man of God and in that position of being an overseer must be temperate. The fourth thing, he has to be what? Self controlled. So difficult to be talking to to ourselves about being self controlled because we for the most part always want to be self determined. Amen. We don't want to deny ourselves. I've told you many times uh, that self-determination is our game. Self-deception is Satan's game. Self-denial is God's. uh, Self-denial, self-determination always leads to what? Destruction. Self-deception leads to death. But self-denial leads to discipleship. If any man will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me one of the fruits of the spirit is self-control you 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 got to really work with yourself because you're a problem amen whether you realize it or not you're a problem and and you can't indulge yourself you got to be able to be self-controlled and self-control is one of those fruits of the spirit you got to be discreet you got to be sound-minded self-restrained in all passions Amen. That's what it means to be self-controlled, restraining yourself in all passions you can't and desires. You can't run the same way everybody else runs. Amen. Not the overseer. So then let us be not like, excuse me. So then let us not be like others who are asleep, but let us be alert and self-controlled for those who sleep, sleep at night. And those who get drunk, get drunk at night. But since we belong to the day, let us be. Self-control, putting on faith and love as a breastplate and the hope of salvation as a helmet. That's what the apostle Paul says in 1st Thessalonians. I do want you to notice this, that the apostle Paul is saying that to everybody. We're talking about the requirements of being an overseer, but it has great application for everybody in the body of Christ. Aspirationally, this is the standard for leadership, but it's also what we should be aspiring to as members of the flock of God. Amen. It's not just for me, it's for you. I have to execute on it. Otherwise, if I am off with my visibility, and if you can strike the shepherd, what happens? You will do what? You'll scatter the sheep. If you can strike the shepherd, if you can get a selfish shepherd, if you can get a sold-out shepherd, that's what the enemy wants. Why? Because if you strike the shepherd, you scatter the sheep. And so that's why it's so important to emphasize for those that are in leadership, but it's important for the sheep to have the same Directionally, have the same kind of uh, qualifications and the, the same kind of character as the shepherd does. Amen. Self controlled. What's the next thing that it says on that list? Number five is respectable. Respectable. Of good behavior. Orderly, modest, honorable, quietly fulfilling. Their duties, quietly fulfilling their duties. In Second Thessalonians, it says, "In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, we command you, brothers, to keep away from every brother who is idle and does not live according to the teaching you received from us. For you yourselves know how you ought to follow our example. We were not idle when we were with you." It says, "We you 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 got to be able to follow our example." He talked about how they they labored, and he said, "Even we with you, gave you this rule if a man not, does not work, neither should he eat. So again, being respectable amen that that's really that's really important for somebody who is in the position that the man of God is in the position of. Again, that's a great visibility that's there, and people are always watching. I remember as as I, as I just poke back in for a second in terms of of, of being hmm, being self-controlled I would say this there's a passage of scripture that says I think it's in Romans everything is lawful for me but everything is not expedient he says, everything is lawful for me but I will not be brought unto the power of anything the Apostle Paul said, there are some things that I have the, the freedom of, in Christ to do, but, but he warned uh, the, the folks, he said, I don't, le- don't let your freedom be a stumbling block to somebody else. So again, there are many situations that I could be in where it is acceptable for me to, to act in a certain way, but because of my position, I always have to think, if I do this, will it make somebody else stumble? Well, if if the apostle Paul says in Corinthians, if if, if your if your brother eating eating says nothing wrong with, with 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 eating and drink, the kingdom of God is not about eating and drinking, but about peace and righteousness. And 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 he said, you know, it, it's acceptable if you pray over your food, then then you're good. But but he said, you know, if somebody knows that something's been uh, sacrifice to an idol or something, and they're weak in that regard. He said, Well, then just don't eat it. It's not about eating and drinking. Don't make somebody else stumble with your behavior. Amen. Some people believe, some people believe, I, I don't know who these people are, some people believe that, that pastors can't be good bit whist players. They can't be card players. They can't, they can't play cards. Cards are, old school folks are like, Cards are the, the, the devil. You can't be playing cards. Amen. Uh, I don't agree with that. But but if I'm around you and and I was playing cards and that offended you, then I just wouldn't play cards around you. Amen. Because I don't want you to stumble. So nothing nothing is so uh, uh, important in my life that 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 I can't sacrifice that and be self-controlled in a situation where it's like if that if that causes you to stumble to see your see your pastor. Whooping up on Melanie and, 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 and Angie Jordan, you know, playing, play, playing with Pastor Mark, me and Pastor Mark, whooping up on them like we have done many times over, over the years. You know, if that bothers you, then we just won't do it. Now, if it bothers Angie and Melanie, we will continue to do it because they decided to sit down and play cards with us but being self-controlled again everything's lawful but it's not expedient and you don't want to be in a position where there can be an accusation or somebody can say I saw you out and you were stumbling I stumbled because I I saw you doing something that might have been lawful for you to do but it caused caused somebody else to to stumble so being self-controlled being respectable the next thing was to be hospitable that word in the Greek, philozenon, Xenon is the word that we get uh, for uh, we, uh, xenophobia, which is, you know, fear of what? Strangers, others, foreigners. The Bible says you, you don't need to have a fear of strangers and foreigners. You should have a philo, a love of strangers and foreigners. Again, that will express itself in hospitality. It is easy. To be hospitable to those that you know and love. It is another thing altogether to be hospitable to those that you do not know. That's the standard. In Hebrews, it says be hospitable because you never know. Some have what? Entertained angels unaware. Again, it's like... where there's an opportunity for the man of God and the woman of God to be hospitable you want to be able to do that loving and kind to strangers that's the standard philo xenon not xenophobia phobia meaning obviously fear love of strangers because we are in a place where the more that we can demonstrate the love of Christ we can draw folks to by this men will know that we are his disciples if we have love for one another. Part of, part of the other reason they'll, they'll know we, we, we have love is if we show love to them as well, amen? Hospitable, apt to teach. We're gonna put a pin in that because I told you and I promised you my, one of my favorite passages of scripture was what? 2 Timothy 2, 23 through 26, apt to teach is right up the alley. And yes, once again, we're gonna go over it. Why, why, peace out, Why? because it's important and I'm trying to be purposeful and there's not a man in here that's been in men's bible study that should not know this passage backward and forward but we're going to skip it for a second and go back to it not given to drunkenness amen be not drunk with wine wherein is excess but be ye filled with the spirit amen the Apostle Paul, he said there's nothing wrong with taking a drink. Matter of fact, in 1 Timothy, he, he says to Timothy, drink a little wine for your stomach's sake. But obviously, there is a problem if you're drunk. I can tell you this. If you don't drink, you'll never get drunk. But if you do drink, you would have to then be, uh, be able to apply what? Being what? Self-controlled. You have to understand you cannot be in a place where the man of God cannot be drunk. You just can't. That's That's... That's not what God is looking for because being drunk with something, uh, be not drunk with wine, but be filled with the spirit means the only thing that God is looking for you to be filled with, not filled with liquor, not filled with anger, not filled with rage. He wants you to be filled with the spirit because when you're drunk, you're controlled by the alcohol. Amen. How many times have somebody said I was drunk and this is what happened? It was was the, the alcohol that did it. Sometimes people call it liquid courage because then you out in the streets running your mouth in ways that you wouldn't if you weren't drunk. Amen? Liquid courage. But, but what the Apostle Paul is saying, and the only thing I want you to be filled with and controlled with ever is the Holy Spirit. Let him lead you. Let him fill you. Let him control you, not something else. And so the man of God cannot be given to drunkenness. Not violent. Often goes hand in hand with being drunk. <laughs> you can't have a temper and a temper that causes trouble. Proverbs 17 and 14 says, starting a quarrel is like breaching a dam. So drop the matter before a dispute breaks out. He says, don't, 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 don't be that person. Don't be that guy. The guy that starts the trouble and, and, and allows it to escalate. Don't, don't be that guy. Amen. And so not violent. Ooh, gentle is another standard, which means to be gracious, kind, forbearing, and considerate. James 3 and 17 says, but the wisdom that comes from heaven is first of all what? Pure, then peace-loving, considerate, submissive, full of mercy, and good fruit, fruit excuse me, impartial, and sincere. Again, all of these things are the qualifications. They are in great detail uh, around what? God is expecting from leadership. What you should be expecting from leadership. What I should be modeling to you in leadership. Not given to drunkenness. Not violent. Gentle. Not quarrelsome. Again you can combine that with number nine about not being violent which you could combine with number eight which is not getting drunk. <laughs> A lot of times when you get drunk you get quarrelsome <laughs> And when you get quarrelsome, you also get violent. Amen. So a lot of these things run together. <laughs> Amen. Not quarrelsome, but again, the fact the fact that the apostle Paul is, is is repeating them to Timothy and he's laying it out in such detail, he's letting you know how important it is. He could have combined a bunch of these. I would feel, but he's like, no, nah, I need to break it down for you. I don't need you to be drunk. I don't need you to be. I don't need you to be nonviolent, and I need you to not be quarrelsome whoever would love life and see good days must keep his tongue from evil and his lips from deceitful speech he must turn from evil and do good he must seek peace and pursue it for the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous and his ears are attentive to their prayers but the face of the Lord is against those who do evil and lastly and we've talked about this before not a lover of money and he said unto them in Luke 12 and 15 take heed and beware of covetousness for a man's life consisteth not in the abundance of the things that he possesses if that's your outlook again that's one way that you can become a um a uh, sellout shepherd. We talked about that. A lover of gain or a lover, I mean, a lover of money or a lover of power. Those are the things that trip up people that are in a position of leadership. Amen. If you love power, that's going to be a problem. If you love money, that's going to be a problem. First uh, Timothy six says, for the love of money is the root of all evil with which some while who have coveted after have erred from the faith and have pierced themselves through with many sorrows. Anybody that is not in it for the right reason is going to stumble on this requirement. If you love money, that's a problem. As I told you, you have to be in it for the outcome, not in it for the income. Amen. Not in it. I'm not in it for the income. I'm in it for the outcome. What's the outcome? The outcome is in first Peter chapter five, when the chief shepherd returns and says, well done. If that's not your motivation. It's gonna you're likely to stumble. Amen. You got to be in it for the outcome, not in it for the income. That's what the Apostle Paul is saying. So again, all of those requirements, two through twelve: husband of one wife, temperate, self-control, respectable, hospitable, uh, not given to drunkenness, not violent, gentle, not quarrelsome, not a lover of money. But we skipped over apt to teach. Apt to teach is really Second Timothy two, 23 through twenty-six. And again, I, I just got to spend just a few seconds just reminding you, these are the real, the real things that need to happen around this ability to teach. But foolish and unlearned questions avoid, knowing that they do gender strife. And the servant of the Lord must not strive, but be gentle unto all men, apt to teach, patient in meekness, instructing those that oppose themselves. If God peradventure would give, him, give them repentance to the acknowledging of the truth and that they may... Recover themselves out of the snare of the devil who are taken captive by him at his will. It is showing us and reminding us. Second Timothy 2 is showing us the promotion of truth. Second Timothy 3 is showing us the power of truth. And Second Timothy 4 is showing us the presentation of truth. It's showing us how we need to do what we need to do. How do you promote truth? You do it in such a way where you're apt to teach. And if you're going to be apt to teach, that means you have to be qualified to teach. Amen. You got to be qualified. You have to know the word of God, but it's just not that. But how do you interact this with gentleness and meekness? You understand that the people that you're trying to teach are opposing themselves. Amen. You've got to be skillful when you promote and present the word of God to people. Amen. What are you trying to get done? Are you trying to argue with people so that you show them how smart you are and how connected you are and how lost they are and how dumb they are? If that's what you're in it for, if you just want to debate people, if you want to embarrass people, you're not fulfilling what it means to be apt to teach. Because 2 Timothy 2, 23 through 26 says the whole point of good teaching, the whole point is I'm not going to quarrel with you. I'm not going to... Uh, engage with you on Twitter when I can only use 150 characters. I'm not going to explain abortion and my position on that. I'm not going to explain what I think about major issues trying to tweet them. Because all I'm going to do is is leave you in a place where you're probably more angry with me and not understanding what I'm trying to say. So I got to be smart. So do you. You got to be smart. Apt to teach. Patient. In meekness instructing those that oppose themselves, you have to look at people with compassion, not with judgment. It's a different perspective, it's a different interaction, it's a different disposition, it's a different application. Why? Because the two things you're trying to get done when you promote the word of God to somebody, you're trying to get them to repent and recover. What are the stakes? Recover themselves out of the snare of the devil who are taking them captive at his will. You got to see the folks around you as those that are, are, um, that are victims of what the enemy is laying down, that self-deception combined with that self-determination. Shit, I got to get them away from themselves. I got to help them with self-denial. I got to show them that God loves them and wants to put them on a different trajectory. I got to show them like according to John 17 when Jesus says, then this is life eternal, that they may know you the one true God and Jesus Christ whom thou hast sent. That's eternal life. And when you're playing for eternal stakes, you got to understand that. This is about repentance and recovery. It's not about how smart you are. It's not about how lost they are. It's not about you showing them that you know more than them and that they're doomed and they're stupid. If you're doing that, you're not going to be able to to meet the qualifications here. You got to come up strategically on the side. And as the Apostle Paul says, I will become all things to all men that by all means I might win some. What can I build on? What can I build with? What do we have in common? What what will spark your interest? I'm going to come beside you and I'm going to get you to a place where I'm going to be gentle and I'm going to interact with you in in such a way that that I'm trying to help you repent and recover. Just like I did. Because, oh, but, but for the grace of God, go I. So blameless is about the position of the leader in the church based upon those personal qualifications that we just discussed. And they'll show forth in three distinct ways as we conclude. Three distinct ways is where they'll show forth. It'll show forth in his family interaction, the church interaction and the community interaction. All three spheres of influence are terribly important for a leader. For the man of God who is is leading a flock. Family interaction, church interaction, community interaction. He must manage, verse 4, his own family well and see that his children obey him with proper respect. And it says, if anyone does not know how to manage his own family, how can he take care of God's church? And so you gotta be able to observe my my life and observe your leader's life and be able to say that there's demonstrated leadership in this sphere of influence, otherwise he, I'd be unfit for a larger context. Can, he, can, can, can a person manage their family? Now understand, family management is a lot like church management uh, because uh, your, your family is made up of human beings just like the church is, amen? They made up of sheep just like uh, the church is made up of sheep. And so if you think it's difficult to manage you it is because you're a human and you you have a desire for self-determination the people in your family just because they're related to you doesn't mean that that desire is any less it just has to be managed you, we have to lead and we have to guide and and set the right grooves and 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 all of the things that i have to do to, to try to encourage you i've i've done i've tried to do my very best to encourage uh particularly my children in that regard as well amen pivoting around free will the entire time, mine and theirs and yours. We get into your category next. But the man of God has to be able to demonstrate that he knows how to, in that very small sphere of responsibility, be able to do what needs to be what? Done. Have to be able to do what needs to be done. Done. So family interaction. And he says, then he must not be a recent convert. Amen. So again, now you're talking about the church interaction. He says, otherwise, what? He may fall under the same judgment as the devil. What was what was the judgment of the devil? Pride. Pride. He says if you if you get a recent convert, you're increasing the opportunity for pride and position and the adulation of the people to make you a sellout shepherd. Amen. Selling out for a love of power and love of gain. You don't want that word. <laughs> that word in the in the Greek is neophotis. But there's a very there's another word. That is close to that. And when I give you this example, particularly <laughs> that Jalen is here, this this is perfect. There's another word that we use in, in, in Greek them, in, 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 particularly with, with black Greece, neophyte. <sighs> neophyte. Neophyte just means you're new. You just went over. Now, I know what I look like when I was a neophyte. Neophytes historically, and when you've been in and you've been Greek for a while, you can tell a neophyte a mile away because typically they have on every piece of paraphernalia that they own. Amen. When when I first was a neophyte. I had on a Kappa hat. I had on a Kappa jacket. I, had, I remember I had this, this, Kappa, uh, this Kappa sweatsuit that had Kappa here. It was fine new pie on the leg and KSI here. I, I looked like a walking billboard. And I remember that I walked into the, the grocery station on 99th and Halsted. I had on every piece of paraphernalia that I had. I had just gone over the summer. And I walked in, I had no idea that there was a brother who was a capper that was old school who owned a grocery station. His name, believe it or not, was Big Brother Chicken Wing. <laughs> Chicken Wing was big too. I remember he had his arms crossed and he was standing behind the counter. He said, did you just go over? I was like, yeah, you know, Delta is Spring 85. <laughs> yeah, okay, give me that hat. I was like, uh, no, man, I just, my, my, my chapter advisor gave me this hat. What's your chapter advisor's name? He's like, I was like, Charles Potts. Potts. I don't know how he said I know Charles Potts. He made me. Give me that hat. Next thing you know, I was like. Okay, this is my favorite hat, but I had to give it to him. But he was like, you're a neophyte. You need to learn how to calm down. You don't need to wear everything that you ever had with cap out when you come out. And so, again, once you get in the game, you've been in a while, maybe you wear a button. Maybe you don't wear anything. You just kind of chill. But that, that you're really vulnerable because you're excited, and it's okay to be excited. It's okay to be a neophyte in that regard. But when it comes to church leadership, God said, we don't need neophytes. We don't need people that, that, that we can see a mile away are, are, are vulnerable and, and you can tell that they don't know anything. As as, 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 as your boy uh, Jerome would say, still wet beside, b- behind the ears, breath smelling like Similac. You don't need that. You need folks that's been in the game and have seen how the enemy works and have been able to say, I I, I got a little substance underneath me because of how I manage my family and I've been involved in ministry and I've come up in such a way that I know what I'm doing and I know how to calm down and not act so crazy like a neophyte. And lastly, community interaction is very important. So again, family interaction, church interaction. Why is community interaction so important? Because verse seven says, he must also have a good reputation with outsiders. Why would God care what your reputation was with outsiders? He cares because that's who you're supposed to be reaching. Amen. So it, it, it helps us to even be reminded, you, we don't become insular in leadership. We don't just say, now I'm the, the shepherd of this flock. It's only about this flock. You better be thinking flock expansion. You better be thinking about how you can bring others into the sheepfold of God. Amen. So you have to have a good reputation in the community. Unfortunately, there are a lot of leaders, church leaders, that have terrible reputations in the community. People think of church leaders, sometimes they think of hustlers and and womanizers and money lovers or so-and-so's a political operative or a bully or whatever it is, but that can't be your rep. The rep has to be that you're a lover of God, that you love God's people, that you're again, all of these things that we're saying, temperate and self-controlled and respectable and hospitable, it's all the setup because you need to be able to attract the uh, people that are outside the kingdom of God into the kingdom of God. you have to be able to tell them like we said the kingdom of heaven is coming get ready you can't do that if you've ruined and soiled your reputation by doing anything that would uh, bring uh, disrespect or ill repute to the reputation of the kingdom of God a man's rep travels as Malcolm X and West Indian Archie talked about it. Malcolm X, a man lives by his rep. West Indian Archie took his rep so seriously. His rep was that there was that he never had to write a number down. You could give him a number and he will remember it. And there was a conflict between Malcolm and, and West Indian Archie where, where, where Malcolm said, I gave you the number. And, and, and West Indian Archie said, I'm telling you, Red, you never had it. He said, fine, forget it, don't worry about it. Okay, keep the money. He went in his pocket and he paid him out and he went to go check and his associate told him, he said, listen, Red, he's gonna get ready to go check and see if there's an oversight somewhere. Why? His rep is on the line. His rep was, I never forget a number. That was his rep and he wanted to protect that at all costs. I I wanna have the kind of rep that says that that God loves the Lord. He loves God's people. He loves God's word. He knows how to talk to people. He's not judging people. He's compassionate. He's temperate. He's able to, I'm able to relate to him. I mean, I want to be purposeful in that. That's what I want my rep to be. And if that's not my rep, I don't want to be have the rep. He's a womanizer. I see him out all the time and he's always got a drink in his hand. He's always got a drink in his hand. He's always inappropriately talking to to some uh, to, to some lady at the church or somebody in the community. Or he's always putting his hands. If that's your rep, you, you're gonna destroy what God is trying to build in a community. If you're the leader of a church, that can't be the rep. He's just a political operative. He he can't preach his way out of paper bag if you go to his church his church is great if you want to have a good time and meet a bunch of meet a bunch of singles but when he opens up the bible he don't have anything he's an inch deep and a mile wide that's folks rep in the kingdom a good gatherer of people but he 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 doesn't know how to disciple anybody you can't that can't be the rep but there is a rep And everyone has one and a leader has one. And you have to have the kind of rep that in the community, it says he must have a good reputation with outsiders so that he will not fall into disgrace and into the devil's trap. You got to remember, the devil is always looking to take occasion to knock off the leader and the man of God. Why? Because a stricken shepherd means scattered sheep. And what it takes to lead God's flock is to be purposeful around that position based upon those those qualifications that lead to the right interactions, family interaction, church interaction and community interaction. Amen.